0: is it biblically rooted are you are you making sure that what you're believing about the world about government about society is from a kingdom perspective or is it politics a kingdom perspective or some sociological experiment like be wise be discerning this is a lot bigger than you think this is the matrix since it's coming back but it's the matrix for real
1: well welcome to the podcast my name is David i am the host of this show, and I'm so grateful that you're here today. It's exciting that you press play, you've downloaded it, maybe a friend sent you, so welcome, no matter what, how you got here. And uh, I'm just so grateful for this conversation today because we got John Thompson. He is an incredible guy, an incredible pastor and author. He pastors a church in the Toronto area called Sanctus Church, and he's an author of a few books. One is Convergence, and today we're gonna have a conversation around his second book called Deliverance. And like you heard in that sound bite at the very beginning of the conversation today in the episode, I really hope it's piqued your interest that, okay, what are we getting into today? Yes, we are getting into spiritual warfare and deliverance. Is it real? Is there an enemy of this world trying to distract us? And i got to let you know, my jaw was on the floor this whole time of this interview. It felt like I was constantly picking it up. And I'm excited that you're along for the ride today. And I hope it's encouraging to you. If you're new to the podcast or maybe you're old to the podcast... I just got to let you know, the goal of this podcast, day in and day out, is to provide a space for people to find community. So I ask you, will you join us? Because this community of people will commit to exploring what it means to love, care, influence our world, where we lift people up rather than tearing them down. People can't live without... A meaning a purpose and a sense of one another the secular world can't seem to offer that so I ask you will you join me in a time where community might be one of the most important things you could ever be part of creating this podcast will shine light on the voices that are living this out and I really hope and pray that you'll join and if you do we can't wait to hear from you so leave a a review a rate whatever you got to do and maybe share this conversation with a friend so enjoy today's conversation Well, today we have John Thompson on the podcast, man. Thanks for being here. How's it going?
0: I'm good. Thanks. Really glad to be here. It's really yeah. excited to, to hang out with you.
1: Yeah, I, I I could say the exact same. The excitement that I've had all morning getting ready for this has been a lot of fun. And you just got back from the West Coast, didn't you? You were doing some preaching and teaching on the West Coast. How was that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty wild getting on planes. Yeah, I was at um, two churches in Vancouver, so... West Side, right downtown, and I was actually mm. preaching on spiritual gifts and gift tension, and then had the way in the evening and with, preaching on. A, with Jason yeah, Ballard,
1: guys. yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah.
0: those guys. Awesome. yeah, yeah, preaching out of Jonah four and love for oh. the city, and then I was in Bridgetown for two days uh, doing an introduction conversation to deliverance for their critical staff and then their whole community. Mm.
1: I actually tuned into that live. I got the notification on my phone, and I'm like, man, I gotta watch this. I love Mm -hmm. how uh, Tyler got on stage and kind of introduced you and how he emailed you and asked you to, Hey, come drop some bombs and then just peace out. Like, like just create a stir and go for it. So it was so cool to watch that live, um, on that introduction to deliverance. And before we get to our conversation today, um, for the listeners, uh, on this podcast, um, we actually have a really cool connection. I don't know, John, Mm -hmm. if you know yeah, you probably do know the depth of the connection. I Um, but you can say it. Yeah. So my great grandfather and my grandfather mm-hmm. were on the original leadership board um, and team back in the 50s when it was Bethel Bible Church that's right Um, so we actually received a picture or something from you guys sanctus um that was a transcript of a board meeting that was held at my great-grandfather's house and it was the transcript of the whole meeting of what they were asking for what they were praying about and it was just fascinating to see like back in the 50s what they were talking about and seeing a church like yours now that you are now leading so it's just crazy so cool it's beautiful yeah it, And what I love about it quickly is the fact that um, Sanctus what it is today, is that it's constantly moving forward. It's not just kind of keeping its heels dug in the sand of like we're not changing, we're not moving around. It is just it's been this beautiful expression of where are we seeing God move and how can we continue to move with the Spirit of God. So John, I, before we get into the conversation, I'm really thankful for your leadership. Um, you've done an incredible job. You've written a few books lately. And the main reason why you have on, have you on this podcast today is your new book on deliverance. Um, mm-hmm. And in all honesty, if I was probably asked this question a little while ago, probably two, three years ago, I would have said, ah, man, that's, that's wacky. That's weird. Deliverance, demons, um, being possessed. Like, I don't know if I really want to have a conversation like that. Um, But in the last little bit, I've had a stirring in my heart, and I know a lot of other people have had stirrings in their hearts that maybe we shouldn't be straying away from these kinds of conversations. Maybe we we should be asking for confidence from God to jump into these conversations and the experiences of what does deliverance truly look like in our world. So kind of to give our conversation a kickstart, What is deliverance? What are you, like, what is something that is, you've obviously written a book on it, like, but for people that maybe have never had this conversation, what is it?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I've, like you said, I've been on staff here for 23 years. I've been part of this church since I was 15. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that um, theologically, environmentally, personally, relationally, um, even academically has really concerned me is that we who are confessional historic bible rooted christians defended the authority of scripture and we actually don't believe what it says. Hmm. So so you know as I always do this even when I teach sort of on a graduate level on this I always ask christians the question how do you think the universe works? And what I mean by that is what is capital our reality? Because many, Mm. many Christians believe in God and believe in Jesus and believe in resurrection and and all of that stuff. But they still Mm. act like it's a mechanical universe where there's basically God's like some watchmaker. He wound up the clock. He walked away. And one day we'll get to see him again. But that is absolutely fundamentally unbiblical. So the image I always use is what glasses are you wearing? Mm. And the Bible paints a picture of an organic universe. And that doesn't mean that there aren't laws, you know, second law of thermodynamics or gravity. Yes. And amen to all of that. But the the Bible paints a picture of an organic universe where sentient beings are interfacing with each other. In other words, there's God who is a being, but not like us and he is eternal. And then there are angels, and then there are d- demonic beings that used to be angels. There are human beings made in the image of God. There are animals, et cetera, et cetera, all different species, but they are all inter interrelating and interacting. And they're interacting on a much higher, more regular basis than many people wanna say they are.
2: Mm-hmm. And the reason
0: why we dismiss that is because we've either psychologized everything, we've scientified mm-hmm. everything, and we've lost the ability to actually be biblical. So in other words, especially in the Western church, uh, that's changing now, but especially in the Western church, we became enlightenment thinkers where everything was basically, if you can't put it in a test tube, it's not true. And I'm like, well, what about the resurrection? What about creation? What about the ascension? What about the return of Jesus? Like, you've got no problem with all of this because it's all past or future. But what do you do with the middle and the now? And this all started for us in this church, which was very conservative, not Mm. multicultural. When I, when I started being a youth pastor here and student after student unprompted came to me and said, I'm having these weird experiences. And as they described them, Mm. they were beyond the category of mental illness or physical illness and seemed very much like the gospel seemed very much like acts. Mm. And I was like, well, I don't want to deal with this. That's the weird church down the street that I don't even like that. Maybe I'll see them in heaven. Or this is all made up, until I start, until I started having to deal with it. And then I was like, mm. crap, this is real.
1: Wow. Do you think when it comes to deliver to, to deliverance that we've maybe missed the point and does our Western world actually believe it can really happen?
0: yeah well let let me say this okay so like um i know you live a little bit more out in the country but you're still within the gta orbit right yeah so we live in the most multicultural city on earth right 300 heart languages are spoken or said the united nations has said the gta is the most london new york sit down we're way more multicultural Mm -hmm. than all of them so when we say the west that term is even starting to fall apart what you Mm -hmm. really mean is white people That's what you're really meaning. Mm -hmm. And, and, or Caucasian or, and, and here's the truth. Uh, Even when I hang it with uh, um, upper middle-class Caucasian communities, it's chock full of these conversations. They just Mm -hmm. don't talk about them. Mm -hmm. They're still reading their horoscopes and going to, you know, psychics and they're still putting pins over people's bellies to see if it's a male or female. And like, there's all this stuff. And then like I was talking about that, even in conservative churches, there's this huge underground river of experiences. And until a pastor legitimizes experience, they don't know if they're allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these experiences that people have all the time, 3 a.m. being pinned to the bed, trying to say the name of Jesus. You can't say, you don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. Um, all sorts of um, explicit things in the realm of sin and, and worldliness. And so we just need to let the scripture speak and then legitimize the conversation and then be, begin to diagnose what's going on. Because again, Paul made this so clear, especially in the Corinthians letters. Our job not to dismiss experience, it's to interpret it. Conservative churches have dismissed experience because it's easier, because if they feel like it's going to threaten the authority of scripture, which it doesn't. This is the ultimate source it's not the only source it's the ultimate source it's the supreme court but it's amazing how this supreme court talks about experience nature gifts angels demons as a place where things happen so they have to be evaluated by this but by talking about experience or evaluating experience to make sure it's like say from god not yourself the devil or what you ate last night you have to be okay with interpreting experience and the bible's chock full of this and the other thing that you know for your listeners as you know, we get going this conversation, your standard of, uh, your standard of um, discernment can't be it's weird. It's evil. This drives Mm. me crazy. People say if, if I'm uncomfortable with it, it's evil or wrong, or it's weird. And I'm like, have you read your Bible? How (laughs) weird is Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel? Like, so, so weird isn't the standard. And the other thing you got to remember, especially one or two people listening, I feel prompted to say this When Paul says, you know, do things in order, right. But remember the phrase order always has a cultural overtone. What a Nigerian congregation thinks is in order, is very different than a German Mm -hmm. congregation. So please be careful about cultural bias when you come to the table, when you're talking about experiences.
1: Wow. Wow. That is, uh, that's a mic drop moment, I think, of understanding that there are different experiences, and we can't just label. We can't just toss it on like everyone's the same. It's the it's the exact same everywhere, um, right? And and I think that's important. For and I love that you're kind of in tune with that sense of okay, we need to say this plainly. We need to allow people to understand. There's more people than just us in this world in our Western context, and like you've already said, you're living in the most multicultural city in the world. So I I love, I love that, uh, that boldness that you have as a leader and as a person, as a follower of Jesus to say, no, 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 let's, let's look at this, uh, not super plainly, but like, let's look at this in a way where we need to understand the depth of what we're saying. We just can't toss labels. I love that. Yeah. Anything around that with what you're sensing of what are like the label pushing and the label, like putting on people when it comes to this kind of stuff. Well,
0: I mean, it's a much larger conversation than what we're Mm -hmm. talking about today with spiritual conflict. Here's what I will say. Mm -hmm. Your story and your pain can have more authority than scripture. Mm -hmm. This is just, I'm seeing this everywhere and it's incredibly disturbing Mm -hmm. where, where so many people because of pain or trauma are upset because the scriptures don't go where they think it should. Mm -hmm. And so we just got to be unbelievable. Scripture is the final authority your narrative isn't your story isn't your cultural heritage isn't all of it's valuable but it's all underneath scripture and so my plea when we're talking about deliverance and spiritual conflict specifically is that we need to let the bible speak about what reality is not seek it but live in it because it just is so and then when it happens deal with it correctly
1: Mm. you've uh You've kind of hinted towards this, but I want to ask it plainly. Why do you think there's hesitancy to the dark age, this, this, or some people would say this demon realm, evil realm in our world? Why is there hesitancy to even talk about it?
0: Yeah, well, um, a lot of the reason why there's hesitancy is because people have control problems.
1: (laughs) Open that can of worms.
0: (laughs) Well, no, but I mean, like literally so many pastors and leaders Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about this because they can't control it. It's out Mm -hmm. of their control. So it's like, they think it's Pandora's box, but it's just reality. Uh, That's one reason. Another reason Mm -hmm. Christians say all the time, if we talk about it too much, we're glorifying Satan. But here's the problem with that. You know, if you do good biblical study, there are grand arcs in scripture like covenant, salvation, sin, redemption, Mm -hmm. but spiritual conflict starts in Genesis 1, 2 and ends in Revelation 20. And there are 300 references to Satan himself in the scriptures. And so I understand the concern about elevating Satan, talking about him too much, but he's talked about a lot. And so um, these, this this avoidance of reality, we all know this. When you avoid reality, what happens to you? You still get bit in the arse. Like it just happens. So it just, it's very simple. We have three enemies according to scripture, the world, the flesh, and the devil. All of this is spiritual conflict. You know, the world is... Uh, godless systems that anti-kingdom and they and the hilarious thing I was saying this at Bridgetown is worldliness takes multiple forms and actually those forms resist each other so part of capitalism has worldliness to it part of socialism has worldliness to it communism fascism uh, atheism agnosticism uh, every grand religion on earth is a form of worldliness because religions teach fundamentally you can access the divine by your own which is fundamentally evil by the way it's babel it's 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 yeah. adam and eve so as the world turns on each as these systems turn on each other we think oh my goodness i've got to be with that one and not this one but the problem is actually they're all probably from the same side uh, in some form or another and then sin like we we have the desire and want even as christians to break god's law and so, you know, I talk a lot about it. I was listening in my devotions today at of First Peter, and how self denial is critical and needed in the church in every generation because sin doesn't just break God's law; it assaults Him. Because, like mm-hmm. I said, you like when you, if you read the Ten Commandments, He didn't wake up and say, "I don't like murder." Because he hates murder because he's a life-giving God. He hates adultery because he's a he's covenant keeping God. So when we as human beings sin, we actually don't just break his law. We assault him. Hmm. And that's spiritual conflict. And then, of course, there's the demonic, principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities. And so we, we need to understand as Christians that we have to be discerning about how to live in the world, not of it, and not swim in worldliness and also deny ourselves. And also understand how we deal with the demonic. And, and I mean, deliverance is mostly mm-hmm. about number three and trying to biblically, theologically, experientially work that out really well. Because so many churches and so many leaders have misused deliverance, mm-hmm. exaggerated, under exaggerated, hurt people. And so, like, you know, the book is a theological from Genesis 1 two right through the Gospels right through the epistles and then church history and then five different models. And then how we've dealt with it with thousands of cases uh, in the last 20 years in our own context.
1: Um, something that I, I, I want to bring up in the moment here is we've got listeners that are, are Christians and non-Christians. And I think that's, what's beautiful about this podcast. It's not, um, always just faith-based, but we've got people that are listening that maybe are questioning God, faith, Jesus. Right. Um, yeah. We've got people that are on the fringe. We've got people that are looking to sink their roots deeper and deeper into the person who is Jesus, who has saved them. And I do want to talk about demons and I do want to talk about unclean spirits of what their plan truly is for this world. Why does Satan send these unclean spirits out into this world?
0: Yeah. So, well, first of all, let's just be clear. So when you hear the word demon or fallen angel, let me just say this to your audience. There's no ghosts, Mm -hmm. just so you're all aware. Um, (laughs) uh, When when people, (laughs) yeah, they're they're, they're not there. When people die, the Bible is explicitly clear. They immediately deal with God. Oh, but the demonic are absolutely around and they will absolutely appear like grandma to deceive you. Trust Mm -hmm. me on that one. That's why they're called angels of light. So, the, the starting point is this, and this again is not meant as offense. It's not meant to be un Canadian. It's the biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. So, I always say this possess, possession is positional and sometimes its presence. Uh, and so, 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, The God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of go- the gospel that is found in Jesus Christ. So the Bible, from a biblical worldview, from the biblical authors, Jesus himself talked like this. Every human being is owned by one of two sides. doesn't matter mm-hmm. how sincere you are, how nice you are, how religious you are, how irrelevant. Um, you're either owned by the God of this world or you're owned by Jesus. There's only two kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a person today who's listening Again, very offensive if you're not a Christian, but it's true, Mm, (laughs) where positionally you are spiritually dead, according to Ephesians 2, and you actually can't, you don't even have the natural ability to try to embrace Jesus or see Jesus because there's something blinding you. So you ask, what is the purpose of the kingdom of darkness on earth? Well, it's to destroy anything and anybody that is connected. And so let me put it like this. Every human being is intrinsically valuable because we're all made in the image of God. Even if we're not Christians, we're made in the image of God. The demonic hate every human being because we are the literal image bearers of their enemy. See, remember, mm-hmm. demons were angels that used to be in God's presence. And Lucifer was one of the chief angels. And he wanted to be God and led a revolt that he lost. And so the only other place in the universe where there is a throne where, human, where, where Satan can sit because you can't get to God's throne is in the human heart. Cause the human heart is the environment where God comes in and walks in relationship again. So the demonic want to be in humans. They want to blind humans. They hate every human being on earth because we're made in the image of God. They hate beauty. They hate creation and they will do everything they can to bring destruction, including acting like your grandmother, including giving people gifts of healing and power and doing good things to keep you deceived and including threatening you, of course. This is war war, and there's no fairness in war. Like I always say this, talk to any children in Syria in the last four years and ask them about fairness or human rights when it comes to war. And they'll say, what are you talking about? Oh, wow. So this, this this spiritual conflict that's been happening since Garden the Garden of Eden, which Jesus decisively uh, has in the heavenlies already broken through the cross, and when he returns will end this, and the church is currently his representatives. Um, this is a real war, mm. and the stakes are eternal, not temporal.
1: Hmm. <laughs> I love that. I think... I think that's just absolutely beautiful to understand that there is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light where you are either owned or in the presence of darkness or you have been literally saved by Jesus. And there's this piece that we need to understand. And I love how you say it, it, it can be offensive, but sometimes in ways it needs to be seen bluntly and straight so that people can have an understanding that there are, there is an enemy to this world that is constantly after stealing, killing, and destroying everything that you are part of. And I love how you use, and it's not just you, it's not original from you, but it's in the Bible where it's, he's constantly trying to blind us from the goodness of what the kingdom of heaven has for us. And let me ask you this question. Um, I've heard you say in an interview before, um, uh, we, we think we're smarter than the Bible times because we got an iPhone in our hands. And yeah. I think that's just such a great quote where we just think we're so, because, because we got technology because we're so advanced all of a sudden we're so much smarter. So maybe we've already, we've taken care of the kingdom of darkness because we've got technology. We can medicate. We can go to that extreme of going to see doctors. And what, like can you open that up for the people that maybe have never heard you talk about that before?
0: Yeah, sure. So C.S. Lewis, the famed atheist scholar from Oxford who became a Christian uh, when he went to try to disprove Christianity and then ended up writing what many of your hearers would Mm -hmm. know as the "Line the Witch, the Wardrobe, the Chronicle, the Narnia Chronicles, all of that. He said that modern people have a problem called chronological snobbery.
2: Hmm.
0: And and he says, we think we pat ancient people on the head because we think they're stupid because we're better. (laughs) The, the, the hilarious thing is yes there have been incredible advances there's no doubt about it there's no doubt about it science psychology the introduction introduction of psychology clinical counseling but has the human condition actually changed for 10,000 years no.
1: no
0: we're still murdering we're still lying we're still mm-hmm. ste- like so this just because we're entertained more or we have access to more information quickly, doesn't not make us wiser or smarter. And you know, part of the thing that I even do, like um, just letting the scripture speaks from an academic standpoint, in deliverance, I walk through this, that um, for example,, um, anyone who was asking for for Jesus to physically heal them used a series of titles, but the demonic used another series of titles. Like, in other words, even 2,000 years ago, there was a distinguishing between a spiritual source of something demonic and a medical or mental issue. And, And Luke, who himself was a medical doctor 2,000 years ago, who wrote Luke and Acts, even uses medical terms that we still use today within his writing. So, so, all I'm trying to say is, do, do I believe in psychology? Oh, of course. Do, do I yeah. work with doctors, nurses, psychologists, psychiatrists? Of course. Do I believe in mental illness? Oh, 100%. If you're listening to this podcast down your, uh, you know, you struggle with mental illness, don't go off your medication just because you think, oh, it could be the devil. Uh, my, you know, much of the time, the demonic actually inhabit in the middle of mental illness. And one of the things you gotta understand that Jesus, who is God, who is pure and holy and righteous and he's the only one who has the authority to remove evil from someone because it's about power and he, and remember the demonic may be powerful but he's eternal they might be godlike but he's god that's the difference he broke their power you know uh, colossians 2 15 he made mockery of them and stripped them of power on the cross but i just this is really important. you catch this even If you suddenly had an incredible encounter with Jesus and you had some demonic issues going on in your life and you were set free, which is all amazing. And by the way, to your listeners can happen and does happen today all the time. You're still left with you. You still have your sinful struggles. You still have to deal with worldliness and you still got brokenness. So this isn't a magic bullet. What this is, is this is a declaration that that side doesn't have eternal power and they don't win at the end.
1: Wow. Hmm. You've uh you've mentioned this a few times now. Um, or maybe my mind is just all over the place because I've done so much research lately. But the difference of ownership and possession when it comes to a demonic presence in your life, the darkness in your life. What is that? Yeah, sure.
0: Um, can I take a few minutes to do this?
1: Yeah, dude, you can do a deep dive. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So so here's one of the most important things that We've got, to, we've got to work out. And especially for you, because I know a lot of your listeners are Christians. And if they've been Christians for days, months, or years, they have either intentionally heard this, in uh, it's been in the water, mm-hmm. or they just presume it. Um, every single one of you who's a Christian here today presumes that you can never have anything demonic in your life because Jesus owns you, right? I mean, you're just like, there's just no way. Like, there's just no way. A, a plus B does not equal C. So I want to unpack this scripturally so you begin to understand what the scriptures actually say so you can really think about this well. So I'm going to start pre-cross and I'm going to read this passage. And I know people usually do this in a podcast, but if you have a Bible, turn to <laughs> Luke 13. And if you've got your You version, just flip it open. So I'm going to break this down real quick. And you know, because I've done a longer- talk on this but this will be like the altar summary on the sabbath jesus was was teaching in a synagogue and a woman was there had been crippled by uh, a spirit for 18 years she was bent over could not straighten up at all when she saw when jesus saw her he called her forward and said woman you're set free from your infirmity and then he put his hands on her immediately she straightened up praise god indignant because jesus had healed on the sabbath the synagogue leader said there are six days for work come and be healed on those days not on the sabbath and and jesus answered hey you hypocrites!" Uh, doesn't each of you untie your, uh, on the Sabbath, don't you untie your ox or donkey from the stall and let them out to get water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from a bounder? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. All the people were delighted about the wonderful things he was doing. Okay. Uh, so let me try to do this real quick to understand this. Number one, um, synagogues, you don't just walk in any synagogue 2000 years ago. This isn't seeker sensitivity time. Here's your latte and welcome to church. And, and can we have your email and here's a gift for you coming on Sunday? <laughs> like, no, no, no. This woman's part of a synagogue. So she's Jewish. Mm-hmm. She's part of God's chosen people. And to put it in our vernacular, she's at church every Sunday. And she's known in the community and she's in right relationship. Now, that's the first thing. Second of all, she's under God's word every week. So she's listening to God's word. Yeah. She's accepted in a faith community. And then Luke, who's recording this, is a medical doctor and talks about how she has this condition and talks about the condition. And the medical condition, I always say it's like reverse hunchback. She is a ball of bone. That's massed together, probably near her, the the bottom of her spine. So she can't straighten up. So Luke as a medical doctor is going, this is a medical diagnosed, diagnosed issue. And then Satan, uh, then Jesus walks in and says, oh, and just so you know, yes, it's a medical issue, but it's root is not medical. This woman has a demonic being in her causing this condition. And then he walks up, puts his hands on her. The thing about crazy this is, and the ball of bone disappears and her, her back is proper. She straightens up. She starts praising God. And the pastor says, you did this on the wrong day. So I just want to say to the crowd who's listening today, lots of times when Jesus starts setting people free, pastors get angry because they're no longer in control. Just want to say that out loud. And I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. All right? And so she's dancing, she's celebrating. Jesus does a whole other thing, which is interesting because he's saying basically he's has authority to heal on the Sabbath, yeah. which is a side note to an Orthodox Jew's way of saying you're God. So that's a <laughs> little interesting thing. And then the phrase that's critical is this daughter of Abraham has been bound for 18 long years. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean daughter of Abraham. Oh, she's Jewish daughter of Abraham. Oh, she's in right relationship. See Luke only uses that phrase in Luke acts to mean one who is already saved. Mm. So this woman is the only woman in the new Testament called the daughter of Abraham, by the way, it's nowhere else, not there. Um, And what Jesus says is this woman who is already saved and in church and a right relationship with the living God is bound by Satan. And there's an internal problem. Uh, When Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Jesus, I think it's a few chapters later, uh wildly jesus says today you've become a son of abraham mm-hmm. even though he was ethnically jewish in acts 13 or 15 paul says those who become christians become true sons of abraham mm-hmm. so the point is in luke 13 you have a woman ready every this is important who is positionally possessed by god because she's in a right relationship she saved to use our words and yeah. something's inside of her now there's probably two or three people listening on the podcast who are very conservative who are going, hold on, but that's pre-Cross. And I'm like, I know. So then you go post-Cross and you go to the book of Ephesians In the book of Ephesians, my favorite book. Let's do this real quick. Ephesians is written to Christians. Ephesians chapter one is the strongest passage you can ever read on Christian identity. You're predestined, you're called, you're sealed, you're adopted, you're Deemed, it's just like it's incredible and the last statement is the holy spirit what the book of revelation calls the mark of the lamb the seat the holy spirit seals you until the day of redemption that means jesus has returned ephesians 2 says you're seated with christ in the heavenly realms which means you're above all the demonic stuff ephesians 3 10 says the church is literally the billboard of satan's defeat And then chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, he says, since that's so amazing and true about you, hey, you should love people like your husbands, your wives, pastors and leaders, slaves and masters. And then in Ephesians 4.26, after he says you're predestined, adopted, saved, sealed, seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms, a billboard of Satan's defeat, and you're guaranteed salvation until Jesus returns, all's good. He says, by the way, in Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down in anger, lest you give the devil a foothold. And the word "foothold" is "topos." T O P O S. There's, I think, it's used like 83 to 92 times in the New Testament, and 98.5 percent of the usages are spatial: room, reef, closet. Mm-hmm. So Paul says, if you're a Christian and you are predestined, called, sealed, redeemed, fill in all the amazing things. So that's what I call upstairs theology. Everything's good. God the Father sees you through Jesus. You're saved. Resurrection's guaranteed. He said, if you habitually have an anger problem, which by the way, that doesn't sound very demonic, right? You're not playing a Ouija board, (laughs) right? If you habitually have an anger problem, you will give the devil a room in your life Mm. inside. So, and if you keep reading down, someone's going to flip the Bible open. If you keep reading down Ephesians 430, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, whom you've been sealed until the day of redemption. So here's what Paul says, and he uses anger just as an example. He talks about lying, stealing, cheating, I think all in that passage, but fill in anything. If you play with fire, fire shows up. So if you are saved, love Jesus, have a Bible, go to connect group. Raise your hands in worship, sing Bethel Hillsong or Gaithers, depending on what church you go to, or (laughs) Wesley, right? Right? You're sincere about your faith, and you continually lie. There is a chance that the Mm. demonic will move in. So the images of a house, you're a house. Jesus owns the house. Jesus' spirit lives in you, but there's a left bedroom window door open that you've opened, and squatters are now in the house. They don't own the house but they're causing chaos in the house. So you can be possessed upstairs and inhabited downstairs. And it's two different things. Last thing I need to say, because we got to do this. Every time one of you who speaks English reads the word possessed in the New Testament, you immediately presume possessed means what Ownership. ownership. These are my glasses. I own them. Every time you see the word demon possessed in the New Testament, the Greeks who... This is originally in that language, New Testament Greek. They have five words that relate to ownership. Like they, they didn't have one word for owning things. They had five. They were that serious about materialism. They do very well at Yorkdale. Five words to own things, right? It's never used ever when you see the word possessed. It just means to have, to be vexed, to be tormented. Hmm. So don't think about demon possessed as demon owned. It means demon have.
1: Hmm. Wow. In your book, Deliverance, I'm kind of taken back by that, that, that beautiful description of ownership and possession. And my my hope and my prayer is for people to understand that um, we do have the chance to close the back left window of the house. We can find that deliverance and not give the devil, the enemy, a foothold, that space in our lives. And what I love about your book deliverance and the first few chapters are this beautiful description of what scripture says you, you don't in your book, you do a great job of not going to theories and ideas and outside sources. You do a very, very deep dive on what scripture says about deliverance. You give the examples through all the gospels and Luke and acts. And can you kind of, you don't have to go so deep on it, but can you give us an example and some examples of spiritual deliverance from the enemy and by the works of Jesus?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, you, you see them multiple times where Jesus will walk into scenarios and it's when, when Jesus shows up, the demonic cry out, because they can't stand his presence. And what's really interesting is if you, if you just read the accounts carefully Some people are demonized because of what they've done. Sometimes people are demonized and they don't know why they just live in a fallen world. Like actually there's one account where it's a kid. And when Jesus does the diagnostic interview with the dad, the, in the original language, Jesus says, how long has this been happening? And he he says since childhood. And actually in the original language, it's like, like since, since childhood, like baby, Mm. Mm -hmm. so this idea like i just gave you the ephesians 4 passage where it says sometimes the demonic get uh right ground access or privilege to us because of our own sin but the demonic also gain access because we live in a fallen world the demonic gain uh gain access through our families because you know the bible is written to communities not to individuals and we as north americans are always individualistic how does this apply to john thompson (laughs) versus to the nation of dot 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 so What is so interesting for some of your listeners is they're like, well, that can't hurt me because I don't believe in it. Irrelevant. Uh, That can't hurt me because I didn't agree. Irrelevant. Because actually when family units or communities uh, give access or welcome things, it also has authority. And we have to say no, no, no longer. Not with me. Um, So, yeah, Jesus casts out demons all the time. Sometimes he lays hands. Sometimes he doesn't. Uh, Sometimes there's a big show. Sometimes there's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they cause muteness or deafness. Sometimes they do all sorts of different things, um, you know. And then if you're a Christian, of course, you know that you have, the, you have the same spirit that was upon Jesus. So Ephesians 6, you know, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you get to stand. Uh, James 4, 7, submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I mean, these are, like you were just saying so beautifully, we don't need to let the enemy have room in our life. The thing that's important is if you have, see the oppression is the devil talks to you outside. Uh, demonization is the devil influences you inside. Hmm. And if the inside thing's going on, that's when you need community. That's when you need people to come into your life. That's when you need to confess sin. That's when you need people with discernment to come and trusted hmm. pastors and leaders to help you. Cause you know, I always say this, this is a small C Catholic thing, like a community thing. This is not a me and Jesus thing.
1: Hmm. Something that uh I feel led to ask about is the mental health side of things. Yeah, please. Um, um, you've you've said it very clearly today that you work with doctors, nurses, psychologists, you believe that there can be healing that way. You can find out the yep. chemical imbalances. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, can you really open up on the <laughs> the darkness of mental health and kind of what's going on in our world right now. I don't even really know how to ask the question because um, I just think there's, there's so much going on in this realm of conversation.
0: Well, first of all, I'm really so excited that we are in a culture that believes in mental health is trying Mm -hmm. to help people with Mm -hmm. mental health and that we as families, as churches, as society are just talking about it. This is a, this is a good thing. No one should suffer alone. So do I believe bipolarism is real? Of course I do. Do I think schizophrenia is real? Of course I do. Do I think seasonal depression is real? Of course I do. Absolutely. Um, the interesting thing is that when you add the layer of the spiritual realm onto all of that, see what's happened in, in the modern Western medicine worldview is that they you, you have doctors and psychologists, mm-hmm. but they've removed the other part of reality. Yeah. And, and 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 from a biblical worldview it's not a doctor versus psychologist versus pastor just to use archetypes hmm. actually that is reality so um do i believe you know again mental imbalances have, do i think people have been misdiagnosed and they're sitting in psych words today that are demonized of course i do do i think many people who have been told it's demons and it's mental illness of course i do Mm -hmm. Uh, do I, and have I, in our teams prayed with people, even this week, uh, people who have been diagnosed with mental illness are doing really good work and something demonic was also there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's why, you know, and we talked about this, why, why I wrote book one on spiritual gifts, spiritual disciplines, Mm -hmm. and equipping your church on that side of the conversation, because you, you are going to need certain spiritual gifts to help the diagnostic process to evaluate if something's spiritually going on. Like what's one of the amazing things that happens in our church here all the time, we have this thing called listening prayer, which is one segment of our whole process. And, um, and what we do is we have people that have words of knowledge and discernment and all this stuff. They get together on a Tuesday night on Zoom or a Sunday, Saturday morning, and they're just told Mr. or Mrs. That's all they're told, nothing else. And they sit before the Lord and say, Lord, what, what do you want to say? And they're given verses and images. And usually people are told very specifically if the demonic are present, what they are, and all this stuff. And it's this, you know, incredible, spiritual gift-oriented, but no- very normal process. It's just like running children's ministry, but in a different way, right? It's just yeah, yeah. spiritual gifts. Uh, and this, this, these listing notes then are connected to the inventory we've done and working with a counselor if they're there. But 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 here's the point: many times when we're praying and listening, the Holy spirit will say there's nothing demonic there. It's mental illness. Wow. Other times we're told actually it is mental illness. And by the way, there's something here. Hmm. So, you know, what we're, we're trying to say is we need a biblical worldview that acknowledges this. We want to help people. We want to pastorally care for people. Well, we don't want to say the devil's in everything. We don't want to say the devil's not in the room. Sometimes We just want to know when he is, and if he is, and we've got permission from Jesus to get rid of him Hmm. and help someone uh, either encounter the one, Jesus, who can set them free, and or if they've encountered Jesus, stand, repent, or forgive, and walk in freedom as Jesus promised in John 10.10
1: something that really came to my mind during that last little thing that you were talking about of doing it in community and being surrounded in community. It can't be an individual thing. Um, I think it was 2017. You and I were at the Canadian church leadership conference with Mm -hmm. Carrie Newhoff and uh, myself was there. uh, My dad, Ron was there and my wife, Hannah was there and you came off the stage and grabbed Shayla Visser, one of the leaders of Alpha, and spoke to him very clearly that something was blocking his creative thinking, he's able to teach properly, or it was something along the lines of something was in his office that was literally holding him back from experiencing the fullness of God when he was studying and teaching and preaching. And um, you left that conversation. He came to me and came to a bunch of us from our church. And it was like, Oh, what the heck is this? Like, we've got to really lean in and, and, and seek what it actually means. And my wife came into the conversation a little bit later on. This comes to the community and the spiritual gifts coming together and right. revealing this where my dad brought it up again and talked about the only thing I can think about is this African thing that I brought home from across the seas when we visited Africa, where we, where my uncle lived for a long, long time. And my wife had this physical, literal reaction to this, in ways, this African idol, where her gift of discernment discerned this evil spirit, this dark spirit that was resting in his space. And it was this beautiful testimony of what you were just saying, where, where my dad ended up actually leaving that conference going home with my mom and burning that thing and destroying it. And, um, ever since then was he's, he's literally received freedom in his studying, in his teaching, but it's that testimony where you're saying where you have to have community. It cannot be an individual thing. Um, it's got to have this one another together. And would you say that's kind of a good example of really.
0: Yeah. And that's a great example. And let me be really clear though. So we're really, really, is really important yeah. that's not saying that every single artifact that's from yes. an african context because actually <laughs> our amazing brothers and sisters from all over africa yeah. who like incredible that's but that's what i mean by the spiritual gift of discernment because mm. um obviously that thing was dedicated or maybe it was part of another faith religion mm-hmm. or faith experience or had been mm. dedicated to something like So yeah, that whole process of doing it in community. And remember when, when, when Adam and Eve fell, the very first thing they did is they hid from God. They hid, they hid from each other and they hid from God. And one of the things that continually concerns me is so many people who are having small and big spiritual experiences, like your dad, who had never registered that blockage as a spiritual thing, as an example. Cause there's so much more going on in many people's lives that I'm talking to right now. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it's nothing. I'm like, ah, hold on a sec. <laughs> um, And I think uh, what's just critical in this is that, um yeah, you, you need to do this in community because if you don't, you still can remain hidden. Hmm. Like that, that's, I know so many people are like, well, I don't want to, you know, talk about all my stuff and what I've done or what my family went through. Now, if it's not a safe community, I get that. I, there's a whole nother side to that, but But what's so intriguing, people are like, well, I just want to sit with Jesus. I'm going to tell them all my stuff, and they're going to be fine. But it's funny how in the book of James, James 5, it says, is anyone sick? Oh, call on the elders of the church. And oh, and then it says, verse 16, I think, uh, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you will be healed. In other words, uh, as you walk into the light, darkness can't stay. And so many of your listeners are not free in their Christian walk. So many of your listeners don't understand why they're not growing spiritually or evangelism's low, or they're continually having this accusing voice, or they never get freedom from that one, two, or three sins. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of possibilities we'd have to talk about, but if you're hidden, that's where darkness lives. And actually, maybe an image to help someone listening today is this, you know, we all are born sinful. We're not born good and then we get broken. That's a Western bizarro narrative that's just not true. Just have children. You know they're sinful within three days. <laughs> yeah. um, and look at our lives. Um, so so here's a really important thing maybe just to, to work out on the ground. You might have uh, a natural love or bent towards Stealing or lying or coveting or gossiping or lust in a one of a million directions. Um, when the demonic walk in, it's like they kerosene on the fire that's already there and they get it out of control. And I've sat with so many Christians, pastors, leaders, elders, worship leaders who are like, I don't even think I can stop and i want i don't know what's happening and and it's like when that unnatural fire gets removed you still have the sinful struggle there that you have to say no to deny uh, wrestle down with the power of the spirit and through spiritual disciplines but i think so many people are struggling but they've been taught since the demonic can't be in them that's just that can't even be on the on the table since so, so that's it on the table maybe i'm not saved or i'm such a terrible christian or 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 and i'm like just be biblical it's way more freeing
1: Wow. Um. Quickly, you you've I've heard you say before, and I think it's beautiful that we are theologically biblical, but functionally atheist.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, not all, but many, many, many Christians. Many,
1: many, yeah.
0: Uh, many, many Christians are are believe in God and believe in the resurrection of Jesus and believe in it's funny. Every Christian on earth is possessed by the spirit. Like you're inhabited by a sentient being that is not human. That has a thinking capacity that influences you.
2: Hmm.
0: Like just sit with that for a bit. <laughs> like every human being that's a Christian is inhabited by a non-human thing. <laughs> like, Just be honest about it in scripture. Uh, Now he's God and he's the Holy spirit and he's wonderful. He's he's the third, but, but like, that's true. Um, Mm -hmm. Satan is true. God is true. The physical resurrection of Jesus happened. It's true. Um, This is all true. So if you live like your life, like God never interferes and like, and, and the demonic or the angelic or, or the Christian never interferes. You're a functional atheist. And that is fundamentally unbiblical. Now, the other problem in the church is the other thing where many, many Christians who believe all the right things are almost like functional witches. It's the opposite problem where they've got all these spiritual experiences and they're into all these experiences all the time or all these worldviews but actually what's the source of those things and where do they come from and why are you doing them?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like, um, and so, you know, both extremes are, are, well, both extremes are dealt with in the scriptures very clearly. And um, you know, like I said, at the Bridgetown event, don't forget spiritual conflict happens against the world of flesh and the devil. It happens in two locations. It happens in worldview, your thinking doctrine and experience. So some of your listeners, it says in 1 Timothy, I think, 4, that in the end times, which, by the way, has been since the birth of Jesus, according to Scripture, um, many even of those who believe, those who are saved, will be deceived by doctrines of demons. They will be deceived by wrong ideologies, false understandings, false worldviews that have a sentient living heart. Uh, And so spiritual conflict is not just like, oh, I played with tarot cards and that was wrong. I need to repent of that. Or I used to be a Jehovah witness and I worshiped Jesus, but it was a false Jesus. Or, uh, you know, I I had a self-harm problem, but in that self-harm problem, there was a whole other thing going on. Like, okay. But also, hey, how are you thinking? What are you tweeting these days? What are you ingesting? Is it biblically rooted? Are you... Are you making sure that what you're believing about the world, about government, about society is from a kingdom perspective or is it politics, a kingdom perspective or some sociological experiment? Like be wise, be Mm -hmm. discerning. This is a lot bigger than you think. This is the matrix since it's coming back, but it's the matrix for real.
1: John, thank you for this. And to kind of wrap up our conversation want to get practical with you. Yeah, sure. Um, I really do. Because um, you're a pastor, you you teach every Sunday, you study, you mm-hmm. are trying to allow people not to just think about these things, but you're wanting them to digest and wrestle and then also implement this stuff into their lives. So what would you love to see happen in our world right now? Or maybe you know what, like, let, let's get even more specific. What would you love to see in the Canadian church right now, because you've, you've given examples, you, in your book, you're very clear about, you have a deliverance ministry. You kind of shied away from it when you were young, but then you're like, I just got to deal with this in a way, I guess it's not for the church down the street. I guess God is shoulder tapping me to step into the, into, into the ring and box this one out a little bit, but what is your deep, bold prayer for the church of Canada right now when it comes to deliverance?
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, I'll, I'll do this in two ways. Mm -hmm. to number one for christian leaders we're all overwhelmed we're tired we're exhausted COVID vaccine fights Mm -hmm. uh you know trying to understand racial reconciliation well being biblical in the middle of it trying to reopen churches like oh my goodness so i understand we can't do everything (laughs) and so and i also understand that we're in a time of major decline you know thousands of churches are about to close this is there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. But what I do want to say is this, that there are certain conversations that transcend crisis. There are certain conversations that are consistently true. This is one of them. So my encouragement is I would love pastors and leaders to wrestle down what they really believe biblically, even before they get to pragmatic stuff. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is what you believe does lead you to what you do. And I don't think most pastors, you admitted it yourself two years ago, you'd be like, yeah, that's freaking weird. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't got time or space, or I don't know if I believe, and I know I'm supposed to believe, but really. And, 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 and all that fog, you know, there's an old statement. I don't know who said it, if there's fog uh, in the pulpit, you know, it's, I mean, if there's mist in the pulpit, there's fog in the pew. Um, if you're not clear as a leader, theologically, experientially, pragmatically about this conversation, how can you lead your people? You can't. So, I mean, this is not a, I'm I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm already embarrassed. I wrote a book. So, um, <laughs> no, you know, like yeah. uh, the reason why I wrote this is to help conservative Christians go, do you actually believe and know? Um, so read my book or someone else's, irrelevant. Read scripture, please. Mm-hmm. But like for real, for real, wrestle this down because here's the truth. This is not God tapping me on the shoulder at Sanctus to do this job. This is a normal ministry for every local church. This isn't like, oh, the, you know, the Sanctus SWAT team down the street deals with this thing because they're gifted that way. No, oh, 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 no, no. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit's gifted people in your church. You just haven't probably done the hard work to find out who they are and how to use them. So my prayer for the Canadian church is many things. But in this context is to theologically come aware and open to this, not let fear and control have the final say. And then once that starts getting solidified, then having the courage. And here's the moment to say to Jesus, I will follow you and help people be set free, even though I don't want to do it. And it can start with me, by the way, Lord. Because, you know, as, it, as I think it's in Peter, it says, you know, when he's talking about holiness, living in end times and not being like we used to be as pagans, he says, you know, judgment house, the judgment of God starts in the house of God. And, and if God, if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, how much more is it for the unrighteous to be saved? And Peter's point is like, the work of God always starts with those who know God. And here's the last thing I'll say, because I know someone's freaking out somewhere. I don't know where you are. I just want to say, it's not a mistake. You're listening to this. You don't need to panic. You're not losing your mind. And um, every time God moves in, in a profound, close way, I find it so striking that the angel or the prophet or the, or whoever's assigned in the moment says, do not be afraid. Like just don't be afraid. I mean, it's okay to be a little afraid, but like, do not be ultimately afraid. Like Jesus is a good shepherd. And if you read Psalm 23, a lot of people miss this. There's a rod and a staff, and they're not the same thing. You know, the this one of them holds sheep close and the other one clobbers wolves. That's who Jesus is. He holds his sheep and he gets rid of wolves. That's the Jesus you know. But you have to be okay with Jesus calling a wolf a wolf in your life.
1: Well, John, I just gotta say thank you again. And, uh, I really, would you be able to pray for us to end this conversation off? Cause maybe you're sensing, and I'm sensing that some people are a little bit uneasy, maybe a little bit, they are fearful. Um, sure. could you just pray for us as we finish off this conversation?
0: Totally. Yeah. Uh, in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Um, here's what I pray, Jesus, you're good. You're kind, you're loving. The reason why you came, it says in first John, you say the reason why the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So this is not to cause fear. This is to bring freedom. So I pray a few things. Number one, I pray for people who are not yet followers of Jesus, that you would remove their blinders, that the evil one is placed on them so they can see Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. I ask for all sorts of people to take some serious time to theologically reflect. And I ask, Lord Jesus, you'd send angels in the spirit of God to make the space okay so they could hear and think all right, in biblically. Uh, for other people who might go, oh my goodness, that's my story. Would you begin to orchestrate a moment so they can be free? Um, yeah, don't let, don't let the evil one or someone's heart turn on them or condemn them. Just help them to walk in the freedom of Jesus. And we pray for the revival of the church in Canada. We do in all of its forms. And we pray that part of this move of God would be the church um, helping people be free as evidence that the kingdom of God has truly come on earth and evidence of what is to come when Jesus returns and make all things right. Yeah, this is what we pray in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. 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 John, thanks for being on the podcast, buddy.
0: Thanks. Cheers. God bless you.
1: Well, what a conversation to start off a new year 2022. I really hope this has been encouraging to you. I've listened to a few times now and each time I take something new away from it. So if you want to continue the conversation, absolutely do it. Get in community, get with friends, family, trusted ones that would help you seek freedom. Not everything's demonic, but we do believe that there is an enemy of this world trying to distract us. So if you want to get in contact with me or John, you can find him on Instagram. He'll answer you hopefully. <laughs> just shouting him out now but uh or you can just buy his book and anything that you need of john is going to be linked in the show notes his book his instagram everything in the show notes will be there today's podcast has been sponsored by and brought to you by lively film creations if you're looking to get part of uh, getting a video done for your business wedding music video anything creatively that you got on your mind make sure you reach out to lively film creations because they're a professional production company based out of Grand Bend, Ontario, specializing in cinematic quality videos. They provide and deliver professional media. Trust me, I've used them. They're amazing. They're incredible. But be sure to contact them through Instagram, Facebook, email. It'll all be linked in the show notes. And if you are reaching out to them, Make sure you get that 15% discount from them when you listen to the podcast. You message them and say, Make Wake Promo 15, and they will give you that 15% discount. Today's podcast is also brought to you by SGCA. Contact their team for all your logo design, signage, vehicle wrapping, all of that stuff because they've been helping entrepreneurs since 2005. And SGCA is an incredible team. Make sure you check out all of their work out on Instagram because trust me, their stuff is rad. It's fire. It's the next coolest thing. And their content is just so funny and humorous, but down to earth. And I just really hope you check out these sponsors today. And as we leave this conversation, I just encourage you, if this has spoken to you, if it's moved you in any way, share it with a friend, share it with a family member, whatever you've got to do. And I would love if you could rate or review the podcast because it goes a long way within the algorithm and getting the word out about this community that we are creating. That's all for me. I hope you have an incredible start to your 2022 and peace out.